Hello, welcome back. Episode number 19. Hello, gang. Thank you for joining me again. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week. Um, I'm nearly up to a week. We're nearly just, well, we're just over a week since the last one. So uh, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm keeping up being busy. Anyway, I hope you're all well. Are you all well? If you're not, let me know. Send me a message. Anyway, I hope, genuinely hope that everyone's having, um, things aren't going too bad and that I'm meeting you at a point in your day where you are having a moment to sit in your car or uh, sit down on a train or sit in the bath or just generally you've made a point to sit down and listen. I just want to thank you again for joining me. And our listenership is growing, ever-growing. Countries that I never would have expected people to be listening in are, and I'm ever, ever grateful. So thank you, thank you, thank you. That's all I need to say. Thank you, gang. Uh, the Beginner's Guide to a 40-something Gay Man gang. <laughs> anyway, this is episode number 19. And this week, we I had a chat with my friend, colleague, and producer of the new show that I'm about to be in at the Greenwich Theatre that we've talked about before, Chinese Whispers. And the man is called Pete Shaw. And for people in the UK in the theatre industry, a lot of people will probably know that name. And for those of you who don't, let me introduce you. Pete Shaw um, is the founder and uh, the man at the top of Broadway Baby, which is a, uh, a UK and has veered off over to New York Fringe as well. He's a big... he... He is the man who runs a big review site. Broadway Baby's a big review site. And Pete produces a lot of stuff. Pete, actually, I have mentioned before, produced uh, my second play, Lightning Strikes, which we've talked about briefly before. Um, and uh, we don't actually talk about it in this conversation because we're trying to cover a lot of ground. Now, I recorded this interview in a beer garden um, post-rehearsals on a sunny afternoon. So there are some sounds of birds and nature and a few planes winding their way back to Heathrow. But um, it's real, it's raw, it's there. Enjoy. Anyway, so that's Pete. So I'll let him explain more about himself um, and his gay history of London and uh, how he has experienced uh, being a, a gay man. He's actually a he does say his age, so I'm not giving away any secrets. He is actually a couple of years older than me. Uh, he was born in 1966. So uh, he will tell you all about that and his experiences growing up. Um, but it's been a week of rehearsals. I've done my first week of rehearsals of this particular show, Chinese Whispers, Greenwich Theatre, starting on the 13th. Um, and it's been a really... The first week is really great. And we're just into the beginning of the second week now. And... I'm having a ball. It's great. The cast are all super talented and lovely gentlemen. It's an all-male cast. Um, it's a it's a really nice bunch of very talented people. And uh, it's just very pleasant. And, uh, and, uh, and, and we do very mature things and have cups of tea at tea breaks and talk about the world and theatre and the like. And I'm really enjoying it. So that's great. So um, thank you cast first and foremost um it was also my birthday on friday which was in i was in rehearsal and i didn't make much of it until a point when i got a little bit tired and angsty not with anyone just within myself actually and just said oh I could, i'd love a champagne now and people thought i was being well slightly alcoholic <laughs> i had to explain that it was my birthday 
it really wasn't me hinting yeah. um, but um, then we had a break and uh, the lovely stage manager Caitlin hello Caitlin uh, produced a birthday cake uh, very quickly turned it around uh, a cake with candles and that was lovely so I got to blow out some candles on a cake on my birthday at work I haven't done that for a long time so that was fun but I genuinely am having a fantastic time as I say the, the cast are super talented um, the writer director is a fabulous man and um, generally it's all just very and, and we're, we're working hard don't get me wrong working hard but everybody is in there to work hard but also to have fun within the hard work so that's great so I'm really enjoying it um, and we're rehearsing below um, the beautiful painted hall in uh, the Royal Naval College in Greenwich uh, Google that definitely people from around the world it's one of the most beautiful settings in London uh, Keith and I are getting married uh, in a uh, in Trafalgar Tavern next to the um, Royal Naval College right this is all right on the River Thames um, have a look people from around the world look at Greenwich and then find Royal Naval College and you can even find Trafalgar Tavern. You know, basically, pretty much my whole life is revolving around Greenwich in the next uh, few months. So check that out. But yeah, anyway, it's beautiful setting. Um, and uh, yeah, just just it's it's so nice to walk. I'm walking. I'm able to walk to work as well. It's walking distance from home, which I love. Um, and skipping through the park in the morning and feeling very positive. So that's good. And there is lots of hard work ahead. So we're not done yet. By any means and then we've got to perform um and sell the show so that's all good uh so friday yes was my birthday went out for a meal uh with keith and our friend our dear old friend anthony green took us out for dinner and we went out and had cocktails and we had steak and it was just really really bloody nice um and had a lovely lovely friday evening and a very quiet weekend so all good this week also, I'm finally seeing the uh, Angels in America, Angels in America Part 1 at the National Theatre in London. And I'm very excited about that, uh, seeing Part 2 in August. So I will tell you all my thoughts on that. Well, some of my thoughts on that next week. But um, again, if you don't know about Angels in America, you should Google it because it's a lot to explain, but it's one of the a uh, most interesting plays ever written um, and uh, yeah I'll let you google that one because it's a long explanation and I will be talking about it next week so if you want to tune in again next week and hear my uh, review breakdown of it then I'll explain more then anyway anywho um, I'm really happy to be working hard I I'm seeing a lot less of my mother and obviously we've discussed before and she's in the care home and, and work and life take over and sometimes it means I don't get to see her but uh, she would understand um, so that's kind of the only negative that's the only negative that's happening at the moment and as I say I am trying to be very mindful about the whole experience and not let this one go by the problem is you can get into these experiences into these jobs and you're in the moment well you're kind of you are in the moment and hopefully you're always in the moment when you're on stage but just kind of the experience the rehearsals talking to people the uh, the bonds you make the friendships that start to grow um and you sort of 
take them for granted while they're happening. And I'm trying not to take any of it for granted. Try not to take anything that happens in rehearsal. Um, even if it's just like a, a, a small criticism about something that uh, I'm not uh, doing as I should be uh, to the director's uh, pleasure, then actually just appreciating that every every moment, just kind of not letting everything just disappear um, or, or not be present. I think that's what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to be present for the whole experience. And so far, and touch wood and long may it continue, I think I'm doing okay in just being present and just being being there and experiencing it rather than it just being something I look back on. Um, so that's all good. Anyway, you say, get on with the recommendation. So that's what I'm going to do. This week's recommendations are, well, I mean, this isn't, this is a brief thing, but recommendation, Orange is the New Black, I finished, uh, we finished the season and it was epic. And all I can say is if you haven't, you haven't watched this season, just go and do it. And I don't want to give too much away because again, I don't do spoilers, but just wonderful and uh, entertainment. And lots of people, again, have criticised it and said that it's not portraying uh, prison life as it did in season one to uh, its uh, f- to, to kind of to its truest sense. But actually, that's not what it's about. It's about cast. Uh, it's about not cast. It's about characters. And uh, and I, I kind of uh, totally buy all the characters and have fallen in love with the characters. And and uh, and it's about their bonding and how they survive a situation that has occurred and again I won't say any more um, so go and watch that but yes the proper recommendation this week is um, a podcast called Making Gay History which is definitely available on iTunes I think Stitcher and probably SoundCloud but Making Gay History um, and it's a chap called Eric who's put together he's got a lot of archive material from over a huge huge amount of time um and their interviews with um so many people from past people who have some a lot who are sadly no longer with us um dear abby who is was a um uh, she was an agony aunt um, in the US and wrote for various newspapers and, uh, and and spoke a lot about gay rights. She wasn't gay herself, but she was one of the first big supporters of LGBT rights. Um, and uh, she's just such a wonderful person. You want her to be your mum. I can definitely guarantee listening to that one. Guarantee? I can recommend you listening to that one. Sorry, it's been a long day already and uh, I'm struggling and it's slightly sticky in this room again. Anyway, um, also uh, there is Marsha P. Johnson, who was uh, at the Stonewall riot and uh, is a tra- was a trans activist, one of the first, um, and is again is a fascinating conversation with her about Stonewall and 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 uh, the people involved in that. Um, and then there is another one, um, Chuck Rowland. Now, Chuck Rowland, I've talked about a play I was in called The Temperamentals. Again, Google it. A play by John Marins. Hello, John. Um, and uh, it was, I've talked about before, about a group called the Mattachine Society in 50s LA. Um, and Chuck Rowland was one of the founding members. And uh, one of my previous guests, Mr. Andrew Haler, played that role in The Temperamentals. Um, and it's an interview with him. And uh, it's it's quite uh, it's fascinating. 
he's a he's a wonderful warm character very funny very clever and he set up the celebration theater that that exists to this day in los angeles which is an uh, an lgbtq uh theater for want of better description and art center uh, so the celebration theater in la uh, and uh, it's an interview with him so i can only recommend making gay history on itunes go and listen I, th- those are just three that came to mind of, of people that i listened to that i particularly loved um and then there is a track and then this week the track is um oh 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 oh, oh. before we get to tracks I talked to you before last week about Glastonbury and how I was looking forward to Glastonbury and watching Katy Perry, which I did. She was fabulous. She was wonderful. But I, I won't rant about her this week. But if you have a chance anywhere in the world, even if you think you're not necessarily a fan, the Foo Fighters, I know lots of people will go, really, it's not. Well, I can only say go and check it out. It was electric and it's on BBC iPlayer. Um, which I think you can watch. I've watched iPlayer in the US, definitely. So I presume you can go watch it pretty much anywhere in the world, I guess. Uh, Anyway, if not, I'm sure it's on YouTube. But anyway, the Foo Fighters Glastonbury performance was incredible and they went on for a long time and it was just so uplifting. And uh, go and watch it. Anyway, that was that. But there is a track, this week's track is a track called Over, O-V-A-H. That's just a spelling. It's called Over, but I'm just spelling out Over for you. <laughs> and it's by um, a creature, a wonderful creature called Erica Couture Aviance. Lots of people will, uh, fans of Hey Queen with Johnny McGovern and uh, Lady Red Couture will know uh, who I'm talking about. Um, she uh, is, was more drag and now is kind of just an art creature, an art creation, an art dance creation, um, but is, uh, is is a wonderful creature, I find fascinating. Um, but she has this track over that's been released this week. Uh, it's a dance track um, and it's written by a chap called Adam Joseph, who, uh, again, I would recommend uh, going and discovering, um, especially for the gay members of my audience, for everyone, but uh, especially the um, LGBTQ members of the audience to go and have a look at on YouTube. If you haven't before, I'm sure a lot of people know who I'm talking about. But anyway, he wrote this with Erica Couture Aviance, and it's just, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's... uh, it's uh, what might be known as a bitch track, but go and listen. Um, and then finally, get backing, get back to um, selling tickets to see Chinese Whispers at Greenwich Theatre. Um, if you're a UK member of my audience, especially if you're a London member of the audience, um, I will put all the links again. Um, and I really hope that I would love genuinely, genuinely, and I, I'm, I'm speaking from my heart now not just um a podcaster extraordinaire i am actually speaking to you as a as a human who would like to meet other humans who listen and i'd love to sit and chat to you um and uh, and and to get to know you a bit so if people are around 
come and see it at Greenwich Theatre, Chinese Whispers. Links will be provided. And now that leads me to my interview with birds and planes and trains with the producer, Mr. Pete Shaw. But anyway, hello, Pete. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange just chatting. We're, we're, in, a, we're in a beer garden. Uh, unusual. <laughs> uh, really unusual for us. I know. Um, just finished rehearsals for the day. Um, and, uh, and so we're just having a, a glass of wine whilst we record this, and Pete's having a pint. So, uh, so we're just jumping in. And I have my this today. I have my list of things because I have my head in in Pete's play. So, which we're going to talk lots about Chinese whispers. Yes. And we'll give all the dates and all the all the information. Indeed. But first of all, Mr. Shaw. Yes. Um, I'd like to know uh, where you were born and uh, kind of the early years, I was, school. And... Uh, yeah, born in West London. Um, in the, the year of the last time the, world, the, the England won the World Cup, which was 1966, uh, but I have absolutely no interest in football. Um, <laughs> How do you that someone's just told you that? It, I, it, that. It's, it, it, actually, the reason I knew it was 1966 because, as a child, child, I collected stamps, and there was a special commemorative set of stamps for and did you 1966. Stamps? Yes. In fact, my, I think my father still has the collection and still adds the new ones to it as they come out. Because, uh, and he, he did say that he won't stop until Elizabeth dies, you know, and they change the stamps because uh. he wants to have the full set. And of course, this has been going now for many, many years, and yeah. she's still not dead. So, oh, no, 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 <laughs> not just yet. So the, the collection has been growing, and uh, it's it's in my father's possession right now. But it's my collection. But he's looking after it. That's interesting. I used to collect stamps as well as a boy. So. There's only a couple of years between us as well, so it's it's all of a certain time. I'm sure a lot of our references will be the same. Um, so school, how was school for you? I mean, initially... Like... No, school was actually okay. I mean, I went to a, a secondary modern comprehensive, very standard called Stanwell Secondary, which doesn't exist anymore. It's a bit like my, the first school I went to, although that had been knocked down as well, turned yeah. into flats. There's very little history in, in, my, in my education of actually <laughs> still standing. Yeah, same. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a reasonably happy time for me. Uh, I was I did quite well at school. I was I, you know I, I applied myself as a student. Did got the the O levels and the GCSEs, um, and uh, I kind of avoided the bullies more, more on a strategy of kind of making friends with them. So, so was, how did you do that? What was it's your strategy? kind of identify who was the leader of the pack and become his pal. Uh-huh. Um, so that I and. Uh, so even though I was a bit nerdy, you know, a bit of self-concerned nerd, um, I was friends with this guy called Mark, who was, a, who was a, you know, the leader of the, of the, the school, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no one touched me. So I, I, I kind of like breezed through under the radar. Um, That's definitely one way of doing it. Yeah. That was my coping strategy. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I was always a bit kind of quick-witted as well as a kid, you know. Of course. Um, yeah, I think it kind of had to be. So I knew the right thing to say to the right people to, to kind mm-hmm. of. Avoid conflict. Yeah. Do, 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 do you still use those strategies now in life? Oh, <laughs> stick by the bullies. In... <laughs> stick by the bullies. Yeah. Uh, well, there's less bullies now. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, or rather, I don't probably don't drink in those pubs. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> we won't mention names of pubs just yet, but uh, yeah, we'll come to that later. But um, so school was okay. okay. So that's that's you're one of the few who have uh, of all the guests who kind of did just kind of slip under the net and okay, that's really interesting um, so did you so you, so you left school um, school was all fine and you got good grades you were working hard you're one of those people 
you were a swash. I was a swash. I, I, I worked... Uh, I remember my big interest when I was at school was, was art and technical drawing and okay. those kind of creative subjects. Um, so I, I worked for the last year of, of, of my time at Stanwell Secondary on a, a portfolio so that I could get into Isleworth Arts College, which obviously had 30 places available and there was 300 odd kids applying for it. And I got accepted on that course um, sometime before the, we'd woken up from, from school. But then two weeks before the course was supposed to start, I got offered a job at a computer magazine. And I'm going to step back quickly because yeah. when I was 14... Um, by chance, my dad had bought me a ZX81 for, for Christmas, and it, I had shown no interest in computers whatsoever before mm. this point. So I knew he'd bought it for himself because <laughs> the normal pattern of things with me, you know, little Peter, would be that you give him a, a toy for Christmas and he plays with it for a day and then casts it aside. So I'm sure yeah. my dad had thought, oh, great, I'll have that on Boxing Day. <laughs> yeah. um, but as it happened, I, I took enormous interest in this ZX81 and taught myself how to program it because there was very little out there to which teaching back in you know, 1981. Same as 1981, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'd learned this stuff. A friend of mine from school, his mother was a partner in a publishing company called Interface. Um, and the other partner was a guy called Tim Hartnell, who at the time was a huge kind of name in kind of early computing days, where mm. he wrote so many books it was untrue. Mm. Um, and I got to meet Tim at one of my friend's parties when he was, well, I was like, I don't know, party, I was just having dinner, and yeah. I was around there. Um, and Tim could obviously see that I was I a bit of an aptitude, that's the word, yes, yes, yes. Uh, for, for computing and said, well, why didn't you write a collection of games? Um, there's this thing called the ZX Spectrum coming out and uh, <laughs> we need to have a book about it sort of out pretty soon after it comes out. So I went, well, fair enough. Went away, two weeks later, came back with this book that I'd written. And that, ah. was, called, and that was published by Virgin Books as Games for Your ZX Spectrum when I think I was at the tender age of 15 at this point. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow, I didn't know this. Wow, wow, wow. So uh, many more books followed. By the, yeah. by the time I was 18, I'd, I'd published 18 books. You know, there was games for your QL, creating adventures on your BBC Micro. <laughs> it was, you know, doing something with your dot, dot, dot. It was yeah. kind of real churning them out. But they, and, they, and books at the time, the typing listing books, they, they all kind of had the average shelf life of a, a whole meal loaf. They weren't, you know, sure. so you'd, you'd pop them out there they'd sell really really well mm-hmm. for a period of about three months and then the next thing would be coming along and uh, so I, I, was, I was writing all those things so that's kind of been back to that time when, yeah. when I was offered the, the job at the magazine I kind of I looked at it and thought I, yes I've got a passion for, for you know for doing art and I want to learn and you know I could, I could draw and, uh, uh, and do the graphic design side of things but figured that I'm going to go into art college, spend four years there, come out of with that course with other 30 other kids who've got the same qualifications, and no doubt another 3,000, I don't know, 10,000 more across the country have all been on similar courses. Mm. And I'm then going to be looking for work in a competitive marketplace, which isn't necessarily well known for being well paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured, hey, this is a real job, working on a national magazine. I've got to take it. I mean, parents weren't particularly impressed, but figured well. that, you know... Actually, it is a real job, and and it paid off pretty quickly because the, you know, that year the Christmas presents I was buying them were pretty damn good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, it was so that your 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 spectrum I worked on start. It was called it, it switched to your Sinclair when the QL was launched and they rebranded. Mm-hmm. I worked there for, ooh, uh, I can't remember many years. I was full time and then I went freelance, but uh, yeah, quite some time. Um, 
it just going to microfairs and being treated like a celebrity with kids kind of like asking for your autograph and it was a really weird that age yeah must have been because your your Sinclair was like the smash hits of computer magazines right yeah it invented this weird language and then we kind of we talked to them um, talk to them, that sounds so patronising. The language you used was things like saying Wagga Wagga and Uo and everything was Mega and it was uh-huh. Uh-huh. Of, yeah, well, yeah. of the 80s. This was kind of, you know, Viz Comic style of, 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 of discussing computer games and kind of like what was good and stuff. I mean, kind of knew our audience. Mm. I, mean, I wasn't much older than the audience. I was, well, I was going to say, you were the same age as them. I was about 17, 18, and they were maybe even 13. Well, but, yeah, but... You know. Wow. Yeah. So you were kind of under starters orders way before so school was kind of like, well, that served its purpose, but... Yeah, but that circles around in terms of uh, the, the the interesting in design and stuff came back, obviously. Mm. I've been designing posters for theatre for years, and I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't kind of already built that desire and... and, and, and the knowledge also of the computers, because, you know, Macs came mm-hmm. around also um, around that sort of time mm. uh, and revolutionised the way that people were doing design. And when I was working on Your Sinclair, I was also freelancing for one of the other magazines in the stable, which was called MacUser. Mm-hmm. And MacUser was the first publication for Macintosh mm-hmm. back in the day. So we got hold of early copies of software for design and stuff that you know, graphic design hadn't seen. I, 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 right. I remember there was one day, and it, it, the, the art uh, director, a uh, guy called Perry, uh, Sadly, sadly died ages ago now, but he's really, really influenced me. I spent quite a long time in the art department, which was in the basement. And he came up uh, triumphant one day from downstairs in the basement with this software disc, which is back when software wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Square disc. Yeah. And he said, a copy of this thing called, I think it was Aldous Freehand, which then went, um, became Mac Media Freehand, and then, and then Adobe Freehand, and then it died. But came up with a version one of Aldous Freehand and said, this is going to revolutionise graphic design. Was right, you know. The, yeah, yeah. That's that's where vector-based drawing programs came in, and everybody's logo in the world is now created in a vector-based drawing mm-hmm. program. Um, and so I was there at that kind of inset. So the interest in art, the kind of throwing myself into computers, and then kind of being around for the, 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 genera- the generation where the computers took over graphic design and desktop publishing mm-hmm. and all that. It was great to be involved in all that. Yeah. So, kind of jumping ahead we'll go back a little bit but so theatre interest uh, were you were you were you going to theatre were you, did you, were you interested in theatre at this stage or were you so wrapped in that world that you didn't really have time or? I, at school I, I got involved in school plays um, and it's, maybe it's the stereotype of me but I, I was the panto dame every year um, uh, and in fact the, even the year after I left they asked me to come back and play the dame again um, which was nice of them <laughs> Uh, but that wasn't, as I've said, that was just a school interest. Yeah. I think the actual real interest in it came is that when I left full-time working on the magazine, I, uh, I went freelance. I was kind of writing books still and doing the odd bits and pieces. But in the evenings, I got myself a job at the piano bar on Brewer Street, which is sadly right, gone. Right, which is gone, yes. Uh, but that, that was known for just full-on musical theatre, and all mm. of the people that came in were pretty much people who had just got off the boards at the Savoy or whatever, and they'd come down and they'd have a drink. Um, and so I got what to years, them. just because... That yeah. would have been 84, 85, 86. I can't remember the okay. exact time. It was around around the mid-80s. I know I'd, I'd lived in Germany in 87 briefly, so that pins it slightly. I can't remember if I came back to Madame Jojo's after that as well. I'm, no. uh, what was um, Germany? German, oh, Germany was just one of those kind of um, things where I thought, well, I've not really 
tried anything else. I, did, I didn't go to university, so I'd never had a gap year to go and explore. Um, and uh, I remember I was in holiday in Spain. I can't, can't remember where it was, and I'd, I'd absolutely fallen head over heels in love with this German guy from Cologne. So I thought, oh, let's go to Cologne. I like Germans. Um, <laughs> obviously, I like Germans. Uh, yeah, so I, I went to Cologne. I, I did have a vague plan that I'd kind of like, you know, stepping stone across Germany and maybe find something to do. But mm-hmm. I got to Cologne, fell in love with the place, and stayed there for eight months, nine months. Right. Um, the benefit, my father worked British Airways, so I was on doing staff travel every week back. Right. He was delighted to see me. In fact, I was seeing more of him when I was living in Germany than when I was living in London. Right. <laughs> um, so I was coming back every Wednesday night, come back on like the last, or, or an evening flight on the Wednesday after I'd finished work, and mm-hmm. then uh, stay at my dad's, or I'd go out in London, mm-hmm. stay at my dad's, so I'd see my dad in the morning, and then fly back. On the, on the Thursday morning, and it was like it was fifteen pounds return. Those yeah, staff, yeah. like, and my dad had paid for it anyway because he did buy the ticket in the staff um, office at uh, Heathrow. So it was, um, yeah, it was a weird, interesting time. But yeah. so, did you go? to call jumping all around. But oh, did, so yeah. in Cologne, that's fine. But in Cologne, did you? So you were with somebody there? No, I, 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 it was just I just. I got myself a, a little flat on, I remember it now, it was, I think it was 39 Balthasarstrasse, I'm not sure why I remember that, but it, it was this weird little flat, it was almost like like an outbuilding behind a flat, mm-hmm. that somebody had kind of like converted into these little studio units, tiny little place, mm. horrid to be fair, um, but it was very cheap, uh, and I was working in the Burger King, um, die Hohestrasse, serving the Wappermannul. <laughs> Bear in mind that when I actually got to Germany the first time, I couldn't speak German. So I, yeah, I, I was going to say. I learned German on the job. Wow. The first time somebody asked me for a straw, it really threw me, to be yeah. fair. Um, but I did have some fun in that, that job, where, where you'd see the, like, the English exchange students come in and they'd be having a conversation in front of the desk, kind of with their German counterpart, yeah. kind of asking, how do I ask for that? Yeah. And they'd be given instructions, and then they'd approach the desk and come up to me and say in their kind of like their best, best German, kind of like they want, they want a whopper, and I'd, I'd obviously answer back in Cockney. <laughs> yeah. And it'd really throw on. That was quite fun. Uh, yeah. what, my goodness, so in Cologne, well, yeah, wow. Um, so, so then, yeah, so Cologne. Just that, sorry, I'm, I'm focusing on that because it's just. Uh, did you go out into the into Gayland in Cologne? Oh, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, my yeah. my group of friends there. There was uh, a French guy called Didier who who was incredibly kind to me and just kind of took me under his wing and looked after me. And uh, I, I think maybe because uh, me and him we were all in a similar situation that there was this, there's the Germans over there who, who obviously kind of like speak very fast German and, mm-hmm. and there's me and DDO who couldn't really speak it that, that, that great and then there's a couple of other friends um, uh, Neville and Duncan uh, who worked over at the race course uh, for a trainer they kind of think apparently English people are the best people for training horses are right okay <laughs> uh, and the four of us would kind of be this little gang that would go out and in the old market of Cologne where, where the, uh, some of the nice little bars were and then there was the Pimpernel Club I don't even remember that it's come from nowhere this the like, Pimpernel yeah the Pimpernel fabulous um, where there was this this really miserable DJ uh, who worked there but uh, uh, but I got on his good side because one day um, he knew that I was flying back to London you know, like every Wednesday mm. and, uh, and he said uh, do you go to Tower Records or not and I, I'm, I'm <laughs> no, going to apologise no, no, for no. it's really bad that really bad I'm not going to try and attempt no, that again. no 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 so do you, do you go to Tower Records and I said yeah sure he, said that. he gave me this, this little piece of paper which uh, had the name of uh, this album uh, Woman of the Year which was the Lauren Bacall recording of okay. the, the, the stage show oh right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and he said, can you see if they got that? And so I did, and I found it, and I took it back the next day, and I, I, I think I 
gone into the club either that night or the night after, and he was so delighted because he'd mm. been trying to get hold of this thing. And this is before Amazon existed, obviously. Well, yeah, mind. yeah, exactly. Um, so I, handing over this, this LP, a bit of vinyl, kind of, and he treated me so well since that, that, that time. So I got on really well with, with everybody <laughs> in the Pimpernel because the DJ liked me. <laughs> For a Lauren Bacall album, in a in a in a game, brilliant, fabulous. Um, so then you came back. Mm. Um, so yeah, jumping back into London life. Yeah. Um, so then, so you you so you were working, still working in Soho. Um, let's think. I, when I came back from Germany, uh, no, I got myself a job. I go after that. I was because I was still did, still doing a bit of freelance uh, for the magazines, um, and I got myself a job in this, uh, this company. I can't remember the name of it. I wasn't there that long, um, but uh, and a frightfully boring company, to be fair. Um, mm. Who the, their specialism was to design travel brochures, okay. um, and it, you know, this is not an interesting part of the story whatsoever. They 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 just you know they did ski holiday brochures and things just because I knew my way around. Um, uh, Think software like Quark Express and, and Photoshop, and they were just getting into that. They kind of needed a, a technical designer, so I was mm-hmm. designing again, mm-hmm. but it was all very much template driven. You know, the, the client had the exact way that things were going to look, and there was going to be a big picture there, and then there would be a smiley woman standing sitting there. So it was paint by numbers design. Sure. But I knew we were around the software. I remember the, the the interview for that job was uh, was was more kind of like a, a stopwatch, and they wanted to see who could do it fastest yeah, yeah, because they yeah. had a lot of pages to get through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't stay there long. Um, uh, I, I got snapped up by the company that distributed the software, Quark Express, uh, and you know those sort of things. A company called Computers Unlimited. Um, to uh, to Initially, I was worked in their tech support department, kind of supporting people who use those software packages, mm-hmm. uh, and then I became the business manager for those packages. Okay, so, so I was kind of doing the marketing side of things in terms of the direction and stuff. Then. Yeah, yeah, um, and that kind of neatly brought me into the production side of of, uh, of, of doing a show and mm-hmm. things because mm-hmm. the weird thing of uh, corporate events is is very much like theatre. But the budget is ridiculous, yeah. and it's only on for one night. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So I'm sure our listeners who uh, who are working, I know that, that I have some listeners who do work in that world, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they have time to listen to podcasts. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit again. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll we'll come back. I'm going to jump around, as I said. That's fine. But the point where you, as a as a, a presumed teenager. Uh, were fully aware that you were an, a gay man. Mm. Um, Presuming you do class yourself, and if you want to give yourself another title. Oh, no, I, I, no? I, I, I'm far too much old-fashioned for, that, for all these new titles. I'm not quite yeah. sure what they all mean. Um, <laughs> yeah, you, 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 I think you can call yourself whatever you like. Exactly, exactly. Um, uh, and you, you, can, you can own that, and you'll, but yes. uh, I'm just a gay man. I, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, likewise, likewise. But... Um, so yeah, what what where, where what was the situation? The kind of first. Well, really... I knew I was a. I mean, I know I was gay at school because I fancied boys. Yeah. Um, I didn't necessarily do anything about it, uh, just because I think in you remember back in you know seventies and mm-hmm. things, you'd, it wasn't really the done thing if you wanted to survive school was to kind of like be flamboyantly homosexual. Yeah. Um, the, there were a couple in the school that, that looked like they could be. Uh, they didn't self-identify, but they looked a little bit. 
them, mm-hmm, shall we say, mm-hmm, light on their feet. Light on their feet, the light on the lotus. <laughs> light on the lotus. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, they, did, they, they came in for some bullying, so I, did, you know, I, I avoided that. Oh, OK. Quite, uh, until I left school. I mean, the minute I left school, I, I kind of, like, camp as you like. Yeah. <laughs> But so you didn't connect with those other people that you recognise mm, now? No. I've, I've since had met a couple of them after I left school, but we weren't really... There wasn't like a gay society kind of secret gay club going on yeah. at, at, at secondary school, no. It was okay. just a different age. So you would have been kind of... So before you even got to your teens, then, you were aware of... I was, yes, I, yeah. I, yeah, I think as soon as I became sexually aware, that I, I know I fancied boys. Yeah. Um, but didn't didn't do anything about it or say anything about it. So when did you first um, kind of go into a into a gay bar or a gay space? I mean, I say gay. The reason I say gay space, I'm not trying to just be politically correct, but actually, the first place I went to was the uh, was the London and Les- London Lesbian and Gay Centre mm. in Farringdon, and that's come up a lot recently. Um, and for me, that was. I was I was too scared to go into bars. Oh yeah, I know. I know. My, my situation is exactly the same. Well, I say exactly the same. I didn't go to the London Lesbian Gay Centre. It was uh, it was I think it was the same week that I joined your Spectrum uh, and was looking through a copy of Time Out and on the gay page there there was a meeting of High Park Gayers in Suffolk, um, which I thought uh, oh, open space safe. Uh-huh. If 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 I don't if like the look of them, I don't need to go and talk <laughs> okay. to them. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Can escape. So you can kind of just yes on the sidelines. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Um, but it turned out actually they were they were although slightly eccentric um, a really nice group of people. Mm-hmm. And the same day that I first met them, I ended up in Stallions because that's all they, that's where they always used to go to the tea dance for a drink oh, yeah, on a Sunday. And so they're you know, very camp. So having cups of tea and having little Stallions was just explain where that was again. Uh, Falkenberg um, Court. Um, which um, was underneath the Adelphi Theatre, or down the back and underneath the Adelphi Theatre as was, which is now obviously the Crossrail Station at Tottenham Court Road. Yes, next to what a lot of people would have known, the street behind the original uh, Astoria, G-A-Y, yes. all that. Busby's, yeah. were back then, bang. Bus- Busby's, yes. bang, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a different age. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, that place was, was amazing. I mean, especially as a kind of a 17-year-old, just sneak, sneak, sneaking himself in, like his tea dance was allowed in. Um, mm. It was an amazing experience just because it was kind of this little dive underground and they had fish tanks in the pillars and they served fairy cakes and everyone was dancing <laughs> to things like the Rocky Horror Show and uh-huh. uh, it was just camp as you like. And uh, this 76-year-old still practising lesbian called Eileen who was, who was just lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joe on the, the DJ decks and I'm sure many of kind of some older gays will remember a bit of yeah. a legend back in the day. Uh, and yeah, tricky dicky and that lot kind of that age of, of, of being gay was was just in yeah you know the eighties I think yeah early eighties um, oh, I loved it absolutely loved it it's a shame and all that's gone really yeah well this is the thing I mean again I want to talk about because you've worked in Soho and you've been to a lot of the bars that did you ever go to uh, do Earl's Court and discover any of that I did yeah you know, Harper and Louise and um, and places. I think, but the Earl's Court, I suppose it's a bit like Vauxhall is to me now, mm-hmm. um, in that kind of the Earl's Court scene was slightly different to the Soho scene. It was it was a bit more kind of clony and, mm. and berry and, um, and I, I was I was still the flighty kind of teenaging kind of like in Soho, wandering around, looked like I would better to go, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> everyone, and everyone had that attitude then. Yes. <laughs> kind of weird. Um, so I, I, I was drinking in places like, uh, um, what was it called on Dean Street? 
um, Jack and Ian had it. What was it? Oh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, the, no, it's gone. Uh, but they we'll Google it in a minute. Yes, they they took over um, uh, what was the Swiss Tavern and turned it into Compton's of Soho, which became the first main gay pub on on Compton's or Compton Street. Yes. Because yeah. the, although the Admiral Duncan was there, the Admiral Duncan was was um, reluctantly gay. Didn't actually like like like, like the Salisbury uh, on um, okay yes. Uh, 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 March of Mind Lane. That was equally reluctantly gay, and if you, if you ever caught kissing in there or, or being openly gay, they slung you out. And it, you know, the Duncan was similar. It's now obviously uh, embraced its gayness. Well, it's very gay. Yeah. Um, but it, it, at the time, it, 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 there weren't really that many. Um, still, still thinking of the, the Dean Street pub, which was one of the very few that was openly gay. Um, but then when Compton's opened, it, it kind of it caused that little explosion that. You know, suddenly Old Compton Street became the gay street of London. I'm trying to think what year that would have been. Um, oh, that would have been mid 80s. Mid 80s. Yeah, 84, yeah. 85, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. Yeah, so I was drinking in there. I, mean, I had a little granny flat above Compton's for the, the first open for a while. Um, so you are the first to claim an actual life in Soho rather than just going in and disappearing back to Sutton <laughs> or wherever. You were living well. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't there that long. I lived there until I moved to Germany. Actually, that, that right. slotted in. So I was I was living in there. So it must have been eighty six. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it would have been eighty six. Wow. I was it was eighty seven. I went to Germany. Um, yeah, and I really enjoyed that. And that was that would have been after I was working at JoJo's as well, just getting my timeline in my head right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was living in there, and I was still freelancing for the magazines. But they, there was uh, there was three of us in particular who worked behind the bar. At Compton's, kind of like doing, I was doing, I was doing part-time shifts. Mm. Um, so there was Daisy, and there was Colin, and there was me. And Colin now works for Weatherspoons and up in Scotland somewhere. <laughs> um, uh, and for the for the life of the spitting image of Eamon Holmes now. <laughs> Uh, and Hopefully he finds that description complimentary oh, in case he... <laughs> he gets called it on Facebook all the time. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> and then David, who's, who's... I'm not sure what David's doing there, but the, 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 they tried to start up this uh, gay travel business. I remember it was, it was a terrible disaster. Um, and the idea was that they'd, they'd put you on a, a, a... Visitors to our fine city on a, on a coach mm-hmm. and take you around all the gay spots in London. In a coach? Bit, in a little bit before it's time because there wasn't a that many gay spots to kind of like you could point at yeah. um, or at least it didn't seem like it here's Compton Street here's Ells Court should go to the there pub. you go there, yes exactly <laughs> oh yes. my god wow it, it, didn't, it didn't take off no uh, no <laughs> <laughs> I can see why coach trips <laughs> that's brilliant um, so your kind of integration or you integrating yourself into it was fairly again wasn't Problematic. It was, it was pretty painless. I mean, I mean, if we go back to the um, the coming out bit yeah. of of because I was I was going up to town and kind of meeting the high park gays and Sussex and enjoying the tea dances and then discovering other things, um, and then uh, I hadn't actually hadn't actually told my parents at this point, but I I went to the there was a was London gay teenage. I think it was called. I, I may have misquoted mm. the actual title, but they were they met up in Islington, um, and I kind of they, they gave they were giving me support strategies about coming out stories and how you tell your parents and stuff. So I was, I think I was going there for quite some time, uh, and then sort of picked my moment that I tell my mother, um, and I, I, I remember I come in one night from 
an evening of drinking, so I had quite a fair bit of Dutch courage in me. Uh-huh. My mother was still up, so I, thought, I said, Mother, I've got two things to tell you. Um, one, I've started smoking. Uh, right. To which, uh, to which I respond, would you like a silk cut? And the next thing I said, I'm, number two, I'm gay. She said, I've always known. Not a big right. deal. Um, and my dad uh, had absolutely no problem. He was so proud of me writing the books because his friends at work were people who were buying these books. So mm-hmm. they were they were kind of always asking, kind of like, oh, has Peter written another yeah. book? And, and I've got, got this new one. I'm looking at the games in this one. And so um, I, I had a very easy time with my parents. I mean, my dad it, it has always been and always will be, I'm sure, brilliant and supportive and proud. Mm. Um, and my other um, split up. Uh, actually, when I was quite young, right. and she she kind of like popped back from time to time, but uh, I, I probably identify more with my father, I think, okay. um, just because he brought me up most of my life. Uh, my mother went off and remarried a couple of times, and I didn't see as much of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they were absolutely yeah, both very supportive. There was no issue. The only issue in the family, strangely, uh, was from my grandmother on my mother's side. Mm-hmm. My uh, grandfather on my mother's side and my grandfather on my father's side both had died before I kind of even realised my own sexuality. Yeah. Um, and my grandmother on my father's side, I, I wasn't even alive when, when she had died. Mm-hmm. Um, but my grandmother, bear in mind that her son, my uncle, was also gay, uh, was very anti-gay and uh, kind of was voracious and you know, hated the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and it, I didn't see her uh, from probably about the age of 12. So, um, you know, oh, okay. So, so, so uh, my mother spent a lot of time with her, and, 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 and even looked after her in the nursing home until her death, which was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But kind of cut off all communications with me, right? Um, for no reason, really. I'm not from that. I was gay, but then her son was gay, and you know, I think that's her genes. It, it can't be. Yeah. So maybe it was somewhere in the fact. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Um, politically, you were, you were a little bit active then. Yeah, I, I, I joined CND and I went on rallies and um, I was part of the Labour Party. I was a, a, a governor for a high school as, as a member of the Labour Party back then. Um, very idealistic, I think, like most people. But my, you know, my political kind of leanings have mellowed somewhat. I don't class myself as, as, as wearing any kind of rosette. I won't, I won't ally myself with any the parties yeah. uh, and every time there's a vote I'll look at all of the arguments and try and be pragmatic as possible about what's the answer there without trying to colour it with some some partisan view mm-hmm. uh, of anything um, so I have voted Liberal Labour Conservative I've not voted UKIP um, uh, I've voted many other parties over the years Yeah, and it, it, and my, it changes Just I'm, I am one of those swing voters that they're always trying to come after Mm-hmm. Although we're always giving areas where it makes no sort of difference anyway. So, you know. Well, yeah. Currently, that's yeah. Um, but as far as as far as I mean, did you uh, involve yourself in? I'm just moving us a little bit closer. In um, in kind of uh, outrage protests or uh, well, gay pride certainly back when it it, it, it really meant something. I mean, I'm not, and I don't want to take anything against away from pride now, but pride now is obviously a very different event. Pride is a celebration. Um, and, a, and, a, and a reach out to those, you know, the younger members of the community who need to find that it will be okay. You know, you, know, you may be struggling at the moment, but it will be okay. And homophobia still exists, so pride still has a place. Yeah. But back in the, you know, the 80s when I was marching, 
one year in a bin bag, I don't know why, I'm not, I'm not going into that, um, and, and we were chanting and carrying placards because it, it frankly was, uh, the, the inequality was horrid when yeah. you think back, that, that okay, we had legal homosexual activities in, you know, as long as it was in a, yeah, in, in a, a quiet, private place, private place which yeah. couldn't be a hotel room obviously because the hotel manager had keys. Yes. Um, the, 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 you know, the, age, it, the age of consent was 21, so uh, and you couldn't get married. There was no legal partnership, no, no legal recognition of any, any partnerships. Uh, you had to march, you know, you had to kind of, we had to make a very noisy kind of statement that we were here. And but did you feel that people, everybody got involved? I mean, that's the thing that I feel that, 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 that from my memory of that time frame, is that everybody jumped in and everybody yeah, I, every, every, made an effort to... Everyone knew it was important. You know, yeah. this, remember this was the age when, when Capital Gay was the, was the newspaper of choice. We all read that and Capital Gay was very political. Um, and we kind of, unlike now, you know, when you look at it now, it, it, it's that kind of old standing on the shoulders of giants comes to mind, is, is that there is... Uh, and I, I, this feels wrong to kind of be disparaging of, of, of our, our younger generation. No, no, but, but it, they, they tend to take for granted kind of what we did before. And I, it's not as though I'm looking for a medal, and I, no. I don't want the department to congratulate me or pat me on the back. But no. the, they should realise that the, you know, the, the freedoms that they have today are not completely done, but the freedoms they've got today are very hard fought for. Um, and not that long ago. Yeah, not that long ago. I mean, and this is the thing I feel at the moment that perhaps pride is going back that way. From from signs, there are signs that people are kind of being willing to, or are willing themselves to go out and actually give a bit more of a damn about, rather than this is our place and we've got the safe space because it's not. Things are. I mean, obviously, we, I've talked previously about Chechnya and all. I mean, you know, a million places around the world where it's still a struggle. But even in London. There are still people being attacked mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Um, anyway, um, so your initial trips into so to tell me about so your your old haunts and so you were working at Comptons and uh, clubbing wise piano bar. Well, and actually jo- JoJo's as well. The, because the, <laughs> that's my, my my drag name is Gloria Passage for a reason. Gloria Passage. Gloria. Gloria <laughs> the full full title is Fraulein Gloria on Passage. Um, Amazing. This this comes from I was working in the piano bar and uh, JoJo's was set to open downstairs and obviously it's all the same management and it was Joe that was going to be around the piano bar was also running Madame JoJo's downstairs. Yeah. So before it opened um, and because my father worked at British Airways so I could get cheap flights, um, JoJo and Ziggy Cartier who was the drag upstairs in the piano bar mm-hmm. decided to fly over to Berlin have a look at the Kit Kat Club to get a, a, a feeling for it oh. so that they could kind of like know. It was a bit of a research, but it was a, it was basically a jolly on the company money, so yeah. that they could go to Berlin and have a piss up for the weekend. <laughs> but because my father worked to British Airways, I said, "Well, I could come too." It cost me fifteen quid, but I was on a separate flight to them, and they got into Berlin before me. Now, apparently, mm-hmm. um, they were walking up Kurfürstendamstrasse in in Berlin, which is the main shopping street. Yeah, uh, and there's a big um, uh, building site there with a, a new shopping centre going up, and it had a, a sign in front of it saying, "Coming soon, Gloria Passage." Oh, and Ziggy apparently had turned to Joe and said, "The bitch has got billing." And <laughs> ever since then, I was called Gloria Passage. 
Um, and that stuck with you when you came back in? Well, I, I, worked, I, I started working downstairs in, in JoJo's so as, a, as one of the initial barbettes. So we're, I was all dressed up into the lines, oh, wearing fishnets and tutus and things. Uh, and I was Gloria Patrick. Is there is there photographic evidence? There is photographic okay. evidence. Well, I'll have to uh, look at that. I, I believe Boys Magazine will be publishing it this week. Oh, <laughs> <you>. to a copy. <laughs> So this has already been. So yeah, the world is going to see well, yes. nothing. You can. You can't no, go back on. Gloria was never a secret. Um, <laughs> she's just been. She's been in the box for a very long time. I think it's time for her to uh, <laughs> come out and proud again. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race contestant. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, theatre-wise, when do you kind of? I suppose because you were living in Zoho, you were in and really you were next to everything. Was that mm. kind of when you started going in earnest to? Well, yeah, I, I was always popping to theatre, and that my love of musicals from working the piano bar meant that I was, you know, whenever there was a Sondheim on or something, I'd waste to go and get a ticket and, and saw some fabulous productions. I had friends that were in productions, obviously, so I was getting some very good deals on things like Phantom and Les Mis and stuff. Mm. Briefly went out with a guy, um, uh, Gary. Hi, Gary. Uh, <laughs> Hello, Gary. Who, who, who no doubt, be listening to this. Uh, lovely chap. Uh, who actually he. he he came from Scotland. He was down on a visit, um, just for one night, and his friend who had, had driven him down, uh, his car got towed. So they they stayed at mine uh, that night, and he never left. Oh. Uh, well, he, well, he did leave eventually, but it took him a few years. Yeah. And, but he got himself a job at, uh, at front of the house at the palace where the play was on at the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I think I saw it about 17 times at that point. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. I was eating up musical theatre wherever right. I could, uh, and and loving it. Um, and I suppose the, the 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 corporate marketing side in the in the distribution company job uh, kind of helped me, and the, the whole love of theatre is that when a friend of mine, Patrick Wilde, who you know, yes, he approached me in 2000, I think it was, because um, uh, I, I was I was working with him on, um, or rather, I'd, I'd started a website called about Get Real, his his it was a film based on his play What's yes. Always Angry, yes, yes, you yes. also know, yes. Um, and Which is on Netflix. On Netflix, yes. <laughs> Very cheap. <laughs> uh, uh, he he was writing a follow-up to What's Wrong with Angry called You Couldn't Make It Up. Uh, right. And he was taking it to the New End in Hampstead. And he asked me uh, because knowing that I'd kind of done the corporate side of things, could I kind of like help him with the production? Mm. So I, I sure, yeah. Mm. Uh, and I was bitten by that because I thought this is brilliant. This mm. is this is so much more interesting than than. You know, wheeling out a CEO who can't deliver a line, um, and all you know, the glitz and glamour of, of corporate marketing, and that, that's kind of an oxymoron. It was actually there in theatre. You could, you could kind of that, that oh, the audience applause at the end of each night was just a drug. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was hooked by it and did, you couldn't make it up in the new end in Hampstead, and then we took it up to Edinburgh the following year. Yes. Uh, where I saw it, yeah, yeah, and it kind of like it snowballed from there. And I started, you know, I did lightning strikes in Dublin with you, of course. Yes, uh, which was, was a play. beautiful experience. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that going out and getting absolutely pissed as a car. Oh, yes, <laughs> discovering night. Dublin's gay Dublin, scene, Dublin was fun. which we love. Hello, Dublin, yes, yeah, Dublin was marvelous, yeah. Um, and yeah, there was, and the, the, the absolute honor and privilege of working with Tim Rice on Blondor, uh, in right, Dublin yes. Theater. Yeah, so that was uh, that was uh, two thousand and six. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
Yes, it was an absolutely incredible experience. Just you know, the, I remember the first time that Tim Rice uh, came to the came to a meeting, which obviously was very much involved in the production. It was, it was there from the very start. But we we arranged. We were we I rather Patrick, who was directing, had uh, been dealing with Tim over phone and email. Um, and I hadn't met him at this point. And we mm-hmm. had our first production meeting at the Pleasance at Islington. Um, and I, I don't know if you know the Pleasance at Islington, but there's a set of stairs kind of like outside the main oh, door. Yes. And I just saw Tim's head bob up the stairs. And I was like, <gasps> gulp. <laughs> in being such a musical theatre queen at the time, I was kind of like... Then back to being the boy was, who was... Yeah, yes, yeah, I, was, I yeah. was kind of... I was literally starstruck for... Uh, um, literally, not a metaphorically starstruck. Yes, yes, for, yes. For a moment where when Tim kind of like walked into the room and he was oh hello and, um, and just the most incredible person to work with very generous uh, incredibly giving turned up a lot um, you know he didn't as you know as a producer you don't tend to see the producer after the first mm-hmm. the first night do you but he uh, was turning up regularly to have drinks with the cast afterwards and kind of giving him a lot of support it's very hands on uh, he was very hands on and, and, and you know really interested in kind of making it work and, and uh, the show was was financially a disaster, but a, a brilliant show to work on because the the people involved with it, of, of which many are still very good friends of mine, mm. um, were a joy to work with. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're just such a lovely bunch of people, um, and I, I loved the show as well. It was it was great fun. So that takes me to my next question, which is: so, first of all, uh, it doesn't have to be anything you've well. We'll come to what things you've produced yourself or been involved in that you love, but generally in the world. Give me your A, your favourite musical of all time, and why, and then B, favourite. Don't want to say straight play because that's not where we're at. But your the, the standard play without music. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, the favourite musical. Uh, it, uh, tricky choices uh, because there are so many good ones out there, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, having the, 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 the pleasure of working with Daniel Torrento over the years. Oh yes, uh, yes. And she has produced some amazing gems I didn't even know about, things like Dogfight and Parade and stuff, mm-hmm. which are just mind-blowingly brilliant uh, pieces of work. But I suppose my favourite musical um, is Assassins, the Stephen Sondheim one. Uh-huh. And the reason for that, I mean, I've always loved it, was since I saw the, the original Donmar production in London, mm-hmm. which wasn't actually the original, but the original production in the UK yeah. was at the Donmar, and it was, it was brilliant. Who but was the, in that? I can't even remember to speak to yeah, the truth, but the, the, the production I saw at the Many Years Chocolate Factory um, with Catherine uh, Tate in it and uh, various others, yeah. that actually, that kind of really opened my eyes to actually what this production is about. And because I've s- the, the, the opening scene of Assassins is, is set in a fairground with the, the guy kind of uh, gi- giving out guns and things. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. this never really made sense to me in the original Donmar production, it just, it just seemed to be a scene. Whereas the the chocolate factory version, they kind of they took this and they kind of explained it throughout the play that it was this fairground operator that mm. was actually running the whole show. He was the one right. controlling you know, controlling these people, pulling the strings, and um, and it just gave it so much more clarity for me. And, and I remember even kind of Catherine Tate, who only had a minor part in it. I think she was playing fruit, uh, speaking fruit. Mm. Um, even her performance, was pretty good. I mean, it was just best thing I've ever seen her do. So Sondheim's quite a, quite a thing for you. We have a helicopter going over. A helicopter. Um, so, but generally Sondheim would be your go-to. So, yeah, so Sondheim just because it was all so clever, all those kind of internal lines and um, so it's just, the, it seems like swinging top. I'm, 
I'm going to misquote the lyric, but it, it, it was, ladies in their sensibilities, my lord. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to attempt to quote the lyric. <laughs> no, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But just the way that he could kind of make half the sentence rhyme with another part of here, and it just works so beautifully that... You know, my, my little musical theatre brain when I was hearing that for the first time was going, this is just mind-boggling better than Jerry Herman. And I quite <laughs> liked Jerry Herman. Well, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but suddenly there was something new and, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, for, for, I mean, I'd, I'd have to say as well, I'm not a massive musical theatre head, but Sondheim is, is the, yeah, I can always... Because the stories are great, because I say, yeah, I mean, the way it's written, the way it's crafted... Amazing, but just the yeah the the lyricism just yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the kind of work. I mean, if you look at things like uh, Company and uh, Sunday in the Park with George, Sunday in the Park with George, Follies, or even, even just the lyrics in the West Side Story. You know, just man's a genius. And yeah, a proper proper genius. Um, I was forced to sing first song I ever had to sing at drama school. They said, "We're just we're going to just drop you in, and you're going to do Giants in the Sky." Well, wow. yeah, and that pushed, but I kind of, I mean, I'm not a, uh, the world's greatest singer, but it taught me how to tell a story through mm-hmm. a song, and even if you're not the best singer, how to do a song that has really quite, it stretches you, mm-hmm. and sometimes does stretch you. Um, but anyway, oh my goodness, yes. Um, so if you haven't, audience, if you have never, if you're not a musical theatre person, do have a look and do Google Stephen Sondheim. There's lots on YouTube. I can't um, believe there's anybody in there who's listening to this podcast who isn't. Well, you'd be surprised. With a I mean, <laughs> we have we have listeners all around the world, and uh, some who are probably more prone to the pop genre. Oh, I see. Um, well, little mix and things like that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Little mix. Respect to them. Um, <laughs> so okay. So then, your favourite LGBTQ gay. Well, it's easy work. It's, it's what's wrong with angry. And, and I, mean, I, I was brought into the world of theatre effectively through that play because of Patrick, who wrote it, and, and then working with him. But the reason I met Patrick was because I fell in love so much with Get Real, the film that What Love right. Angry was based on. And I have since produced a version of What's Wrong With Angry as well. So I, and I'm, it just, it, one of those kind of, just parts of your life where you go, this is written about me, mm-hmm. or about my life, or my mm-hmm. experience, and I can totally relate to that. You know that I, even though I was born in West London, I kind of grew up in the, in the borders of, West, of London and, and Surrey, and, and in small town Stanwell, which mm-hmm. is, is not exactly what you would call buzzing with light, light, light life. It might have, I think, it might have three pubs. Probably, yeah, probably got less now. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so and fine if you're a certain age and a certain type of person, but yeah, not yeah. at that time in your life. Yeah, and what's wrong with I mean, I. I uh, my longest term relationship uh, also was uh, with Marcus and I was with him for 20 years and he was born mm. in Basingstoke and I worked in Basingstoke briefly right. as well I say briefly for about five, five years mm. so What's Wrong With Angry being this kind of provincial gay play from Basingstoke and about normal life about kids who went to comprehensive schools and and, mm-hmm. and just loved it yeah yeah and it's just you know the Stephen story and uh, you know the neighbour Linda and, and John Dixon and all that kind of stuff, or, or, or yeah. West Head in yeah. the play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
yeah, it, that, that, that's that's an easy one. I mean, I, I, I will obviously, for the record, say I also love Beautiful Thing. But, um, yes, but, absolutely. Which is a contemporary on stage, even though it got made yeah. in a film earlier than What's Wrong with Angry. Um, but yeah, What's Wrong with Angry, I think, just edges for me out of the mm -hmm. two. And rightly so, because <laughs> I, like, I was in the original production of What's Wrong with Angry, and uh, yeah, so that's good. Too. And, and it's, <laughs> it's, it's like choosing a favourite son. Isn't it? <laughs> no, exactly. No, 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 no. And uh, yeah, we don't need to, we don't need to do that. Children. We've already discussed before we started recording whether we wanted children, and that was a at the moment no. I'd rather have the house in Tuscany. <laughs> Pete wants the house in Tuscany. Not that we're ever going to get the house in Tuscany. But well, um, I certainly wouldn't have a child. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, your child at the moment is the show which we'll come to in a minute mm. um, so this brings me to Broadway Baby mm. and how that launched itself into the world and where what was the nucleus of that well it, it, that's I guess that was after we did uh, You Couldn't Make It Up in Edinburgh in 2001 uh, and I'd been up to the festival before uh, you know in the ni 90s and stuff but never the whole month and kind of uh, absorbing myself absorbing Oh, whatever the word is. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Diving into the festival in such yeah. a, a kind of a big way, and I and I kind of really liked it. And then, you know, right. So I'm a, I'm a sort of graphic design guy. The internet's happened, and I can code, and I like theatre. What am I going to do? <laughs> it's kind of like Broadway Baby was pretty much inevitable. It was it. it I wanted to to do something about Edinburgh, um, and uh, I mean, Broadway Baby was probably the wrong name, to be fair. Right. Um, but I've kind of stuck with it now because it's been it's grown. So where did the name? I mean, I think I know where the name came from, but where it just from so, follies, didn't it? There we go. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I wonder how many people who go onto your website and read your reviews actually know. Vanishing small, probably. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's a song from follies. Um, uh, again, it's Stephen Sondheim, isn't it? I, I love Stephen Sondheim. I, Broadway Baby seemed seemed to kind of like sum up what it was. I mean, I mean actually. Let's, let's go back to what Broadway Baby was originally. Yes, yes. It, it, it was never the site that it, it, it is now. Yeah. Um, originally, it, I wanted to create a, uh, a kind of like an IMDB for theatre. Uh, and the idea was that you could go onto Broadway Baby and you could put your credits all in there and it all cost link and it build itself up into this marvellous database of, of theatre people that were Broadway Babies, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. for want of a better word. Uh, it seemed to be a, a name that I coined at the time and I thought, well, that sounds great, let's go with that. Um, yeah, mistake. And so, well, I don't think so because I think that I think everybody it's it's, it's your brand is big. It's it's, it's there now. It's, so, it's too late yeah. to change it. Yeah. Uh, yes, but uh, and then I so uh, in Broadway Baby, I guess it actually started in '96. The initial the initial registration of the domain name, and it was some point between '96 and 2004 that it had actually kind of started going a bit. But it was 2004 that I was at the festival. Um, and I'd noticed that one of the listings that had been put up as a credit on the Broadway Baby mm. was a show that was there. And okay. I thought, oh, well, I'll go and see it, and maybe I, I can. I've, some new content for the site is I'll write a review. And I think I saw four shows actually over the course of the month that was listed were, were listed on Broadway Baby, mm. uh, and so I wrote reviews about all of them. I, I didn't I didn't know anybody in them and stuff. Uh, Bearing in mind okay. that I, I'd been a journalist, so I could yeah. I could write a copy. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I put those four reviews up in 2004 and the site traffic just instantly 
when Me Too Hot, well, at the time, it felt much more. Well, yeah, yeah, We yeah. were getting, you know, Broadway Baby was probably getting like 20 hits a month before that, and then right. suddenly it was like 200 in a, in a, or maybe 2,000 in a, in, a, in a month, I can't remember, it, was, it seemed like a, quite a big jump yeah, to me, yeah. so I thought, oh, there'll be something in this. Yeah. And then when I went back the next year, uh, I'd, I'd kind of, I'd convinced the, the Fringe Society that Broadway Baby was a genuine publication, and that took some doing. Right. <laughs> it would never work now. But uh, I convinced them that it was a genuine publication, they gave me accreditation, and I, I, I spent the whole month on my own, kind of going around, just watching shows. Uh-huh. And Broadway Baby kind of morphed from being this IMDB, which didn't really work, into being kind of a reviewing publication. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the hips just went massive, and it's like, oh, this works. And then, as over the over the years, then started adding in other people to kind of help me do cover the reviews. Yeah. Until we, you know, fast forward to 2017, and we're going to have a hundred reviewers up there with a team of section editors and an editor and a features team, and, and it's a massive operation now. That um, kind of has, you know, been a major part of my life. It's got full-time member of staff. Uh, it doesn't make any money, but it, you know, it's it it does take up a lot of my time. Mm. And, and, and I still love it. Like, I still love the kind of the fact that Broadway Baby is, is, is always kind of trying to find a new way to be. And mm-hmm. there's a new version of the site in the wings which I'm working on. There's you know, an app coming. Okay. There's all sorts of things happening. Lots of other new stuff that will always be happening because I, I, would, I never want it to stagnate. Yeah. Um, so just uh, so because people around the world, again, people who aren't necessarily in the UK, for them to have a look, if you want to just tell them all your details. Uh, Broadwaybaby.com. There we go. Simple. Simple. Um, and uh, if, if even if you're not, if you're going to Edinburgh, if you're going to Edinburgh for the first time, then, uh, yep, have a look. Uh, if you want to find shows, if you want to read re- reviews of your own shows, because there's a hundred reviewers, so yeah. the chances oh. are... Um, more, more shows than any other publication. That's pretty impressive. We, we, uh, that, we, we grabbed that accolade off for three weeks. I mean, I love three weeks a bit. So we did Chris and, uh, and Carrie run that. Great people. Uh, yeah. But they they kind of refocus where they're going. So Broadway Baby, about three four years ago, shot up to eighteen hundred reviews in one month and and became the biggest publication. And we do that in Brighton too. As you say, you don't just do yeah, because you do Brighton and uh, anywhere else. Uh, we've we, well, we do London year round now as well. We yeah, we're now in the West End. Um, I was going to say it's not uh, just. And we've dallied with with New York. So Broadway Baby actually finally went to Broadway, oh, um, but okay. not very much. We mostly listings over there. We've got the occasional review that goes up, but mm-hmm. it's it's kind of part of my philosophy is that if you can't do it really well, then probably don't bother doing it. Right. Well, no, completely. It's ever growing, <laughs> ever growing. Um, so yes, um, for you as a as a reviewer now, this is just a, the, the show that you didn't have any any knowledge about before you went in that kind of blew your mind and just kind of changed your life. Not necessarily a musical, can be if it is, but um, just kind of going in tired, probably hungover because that's the nature of Edinburgh, where something in, in the festival kind of just knocked you for six. Uh, oh no, that's a tricky one. I've seen so many shows over the last, you know, nearly, nearly twenty years. Um, I'm sure, you can probably cut this pause no, out. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I like give it some thought. It's a difficult uh, question. Because um, there are just those moments where you kind of. 
you've gone into a show, I mean, personally, I'm not reviewing, but you go in and you kind of go, well, this is something that I'm covering an hour. Yeah. And then it's been the best thing I've ever seen. Um, oh, we'll come back. We'll come back. We'll come back, that one, yeah. Okay. That's all. Um, so, yes, so, now this brings us to where we are now. Mm. Uh, Mr. Shaw is producing a show that I am currently in um, at the Greenwich Theatre in London. So before we go any further, let's get all the facts and figures out there. So it starts on the... Uh, 13th of July until the 23rd of July. And we're running um, Monday to... No, not Mondays. Tuesday to Sunday. Uh, evening performances Tuesday to Saturday at 7.30. One matinee on Saturday at 3. And a sort of semi-matinee on Sunday at 5. Oh, uh, yes. It's the semi-matinee on Sunday. Which we'll all be looking forward to. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit about it? Because I've described it a little bit, and I've put links, and I will put links again. Mm-hmm. But just to kind of a, a brief outline. Well, I suppose we we'll start where it came from. Um, yes. Uh, the, the very pub that we are sitting in. Yes. Uh, which I, is a regular haunt of mine. Is also the regular of Ian uh, Lindsay, who who is the co-author of the play, um, mm-hmm. and. Uh, <coughs> Ian Lindsay, to uh, to listeners in the UK especially, uh, is a star of uh, TV's uh, Men Behaving Badly. Played George. Played George. A grumpy office worker. Uh, With um, yeah. Mr. Martin Clunes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, so Ian, Ian was, is, is a regular drinker in here. Um, and at the point, I used to drink at the Rose and Crown an awful lot. And yes. then when the Rose and Crown went a bit funny last year, let's not get into details, but it went a bit <laughs> yeah. funny last year, yeah. I started drinking here at the Richard uh, yeah. a lot more. Um, as, one, as one of the Rose refugees, we were called. <laughs> they were calling this place Sangat for a while. <laughs> but Ian uh, uh, discovered that I'd, I'd, I'd produced the odd play and thrust a copy of his, his, his play into my hands. I was like, oh, God. Uh, but I, I went away and I read it over the next day and, and I just had thought that Edmund Backhouse's essential character was, as an anti-hero, was just, just actually quite likeable. Like, quite, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. His, yeah. Um, uh, it's, it, I mean, to describe Edmund Backhouse, yeah. he was a, uh, a, a 19th century con man swindler of, of epic proportions. Uh, I mean, his swindles weren't just kind of like nicking your iPhone off your table while you weren't looking. He, he was selling arms to the government that didn't exist in large quantities and, and battleships and, mm-hmm. and millions and millions of banknotes being kind of like which did orders for which didn't exist but taking the commission before before anybody else so he was running off with, with, with lots of money but he, the, the way he could get away with this is he actually lived in Peking hence the title Chinese Whispers yes he was also and strange for the time a, a absolute notorious homosexual um, and yes and quite filthy Yes, he'd, he'd written uh, a book called *Decadence Manchus*, which um, was effectively his autobiography. Uh, but I don't think it's actually ever been published. It may have been. It may have come out in 2012. Oh, but, okay. But uh, it's certainly in his lifetime, it was never published uh-huh. because the uh, it was considered just too filthy. Right. And I have read some of the, the passages from it, and it is absolute filth, pure, yes, pure yeah, filth. Yeah. There's one part of it where he's uh, he does a um, the menu of a gay male brothel in, in um, uh, 
Peking and describes what the boys will do for to you for, for certain amounts of money. And, and the way he describes it, because he had this, this uh, habit of kind of slipping into French and Russian and, uh-huh. uh, or, or not, not actually not Russian, because he didn't speak but, Russian, but yeah. French and, yeah. and other languages. Um, Cantonese. Just, just gave yeah. a great, great talent for language. So he put his, it's just very flowery language describing the most disgusting acts you could ever imagine. Goodness me. And he's a distant relative of Ian's, yes. Ian Lindsay, yes. Um, yes. So he is talking about uh, uh, what are his ancestors? It's kind of it's very strange. It's very strange to write about it and 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 yeah, and it, no holds barred, mm. I suppose. Yeah, and and the play itself isn't isn't as filthy. No, it, no, no, no. It, it sometimes gets a little salacious, let's say. But it's, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's I kind of like to describe it as kind of an Oscar Wilde and kind of intelligent period comedy. It's it. Period comedy, yes. Yeah. So Wilde, yeah. it, it, we're not doing sketch and we're not doing slapstick. Uh, it's not Buster Keaton. We're, we are we're kind of we're doing something which is dealing with historical kind of stuff that actually happened. Yeah, it's facts. Yeah, yeah. it's all fact. And he's um, uh, but dramatizing kind of some of those key moments in Edmund's life where, as it are from his time, just as he was leaving Oxford, mm. moving to Paris through to Peking. And kind of the exploits he got on the way, and the people he met, and uh, yeah, yeah, and then the, the, the sprinkle of animation thrown in on top as well, which uh, you're uh, responsible for a lot of <laughs> enjoying that and enjoying that, and then. you look out obviously for the uh, little stings which feature yourself. Oh yes, um, yes, stings yeah. on all over, all over the place. Yes, we, we put one out last week, and it, it was very popular, so we're doing more. <laughs> which we, oh yes, in fact yes, there, there, there will be more ahead. Um, so. Your, your, well, the future for the show is we're doing this run, um, and let's hope the world loves it and it flies off. Um, do you have anything ahead as far as producing? Uh, not, nothing on the immediate horizon. No, uh, there's. I'm still working with Danielle Twento, so I'm, uh, we've got a show. Uh, called Le Grand Mort, opening at Fabric sh- Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, when is so that? I can't remember the date. Okay. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll put a find down the link. link. Yeah. Um, yep. 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 The, but it, that's got Julian Clary in it, and it's, it looks like it's going to be brilliant. Fabulous. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm working on the design, side, graphic design side on that mm-hmm. one, um, and I'm sure there'll be some more from Danielle because she's very, very prolific. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yes. And it's actually the, the kind of the only reason I've been able to do Chinese Whispers is because she had a bit of a break. She was doing. Whole string of stuff at Charing Cross Theatre last year, uh-huh. and then it's taken a few months off to kind of like get back into doing her own thing again. Um, and so, in that, in that break, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll grab another <laughs> amazing. So, yes, I mean, Mr. Shaw works hard all the time. There's always a project, there's always a project, there's always, a there's always more than one project, yeah. actually. But yeah, and if, if there isn't a project, I'll invent one with some type well, of my baby, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. G- going back to from you being 50. <laughs> um, right, okay, so we're going to wrap up because uh, Peter probably bothers to have another beer or do some work. Um, Sorry, the bring it over. <laughs> and, and, and there's a man waiting to bring a bin over. No, he wants to bring the beer over. <laughs> he wants to bring beer over. Oh, okay. He's bringing beer. He's bringing beer and wine. The man... See, we're in a pub and Peter has a man, he waves, and the man brings beer and wine. It's incredible. <laughs> so prolific in the world. Um, okay, a final few questions and then I'll stop you. I'll let you off the hook. Um, so this is the one part of the show that has been very popular um, and it based on the Actor Studio questions listeners know already. So, uh, Actor Studio questions, starting with your favourite word. Cunt. 
there you go. There, and what, why specifically that? What is it you like about that word? Um, just because it's no nonsense. It's just... And <coughs> I like the idea that you can just remove the taboo from it. And, yep. it, and, and it shouldn't make ladies kind of like a... Or, or you know, you should, it, yeah, it's, a, it's a word. And it, it accurately describes some people you have to deal with. <laughs> yes, sometimes, sometimes. Who just... You kind of think, yeah, you're a cunt. Luckily, and, uh, in our current scenario, we were just saying before that yeah. everyone's rather lovely and uh, we're all having a lovely time but as I pointed out to Matt if you can't spot the arsehole in the class it's probably you so I might be the see you next Tuesday <laughs> oh my god <laughs> no you're not of course you're not um, and oh yes so cunt <laughs> very loudly then um, Berkshire Hunt do you know this story about how no, no. so Burks so when people call each other a, a, a Burke when you refer to Burks yeah. what a Burke it's actually you're calling somebody a gun. Oh, marvellous. Um, Berkshire Hunt. Well, I could learn something. So, yes, I know. Anyway, just sort of throwing that in there. <laughs> Fun fact. So, your least favourite word? Moist. <laughs> moist. Loads of people hate moist. Why do you not like I moist? I don't know. It's just not, not a word. Moist. It's like if you hear the word moist in a conversation, you probably think they've got this right. This, this is not going to be a great conversation. <laughs> so, a moist cake is not for your, like, it's, no. No. Moist no. cake. Mo- no. Moist. <laughs> and I hear it. Yes. Thank you very much. Lovely. And the man arrived with wine and beer. Incredible. Um, okay, so uh, what? Well, we've kind of talked about it, but what excites you creatively, and/or emotionally? Um, new challenges, I, I suppose. Creatively, I'm finding a, a, a better way to do something you've done before, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, when I'm Chinese whispers, uh, I've I've done graphic design on, on many a show and marketing um, and producing stuff, but this is the first time I've done the set design. Yes. Um, which, I mean, it, it, and actually, when you think about it, it makes a lot more sense than. than and why, why are these two, two jobs different? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the skill set involved is very different. I'm having, I've had to learn some things. Mm. But the, the, there's many a time that I've done the poster or the programmes and things for a show and it looks nothing like the vision that the, the set designer has come up with. And you would think that you're watching a different show to the one that you've been sold in the flyer and the, the, the poster. Sure. So it's nice on this one that... Um, and it's a, it's a small detail. But it's nice on this one that the, the poster that you're looking at actually is the set, because Edinburgh is standing on the set that I am building, kind of, well, getting printed in China. <laughs> <laughs> and it's all going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> it's all going to be fine. Gonna, it, no, I don't know. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's unfortunately not a wooden table and I can't touch wood, but the... Yes. Um, yeah, this, this is a very much a learning curve, but it, so far it has gone very well. Um, along the way I have, I have learnt some great things and I've met some great people who are incredibly generous with their time um, and incredibly understanding about what needs to be done mm-hmm. and just getting on with it mm-hmm. um, our stage manager as you know is, is oh yes is, yes, is yes respect to her yeah. to, to yeah, work yeah, yeah. with and as, as has been all the cast and stuff um, it, it's, it's such a nice experience when you get a great pe- people together that, that actually aren't cunts Absolutely. No, but it, completely, because, like you say, we've all worked through it, and the amount of times you suffer under a problem. Um, yeah, so, no, absolutely. Um, so, your favourite curse word was, well, oh, probably the same, we know that one. Um, and what sound do you love? <laughs> um, interesting. What sound 
do I not? Applause, I suppose. Yeah. It means you've got the job right. Yeah. Um, I think that's okay. probably one of my... Yes, applause. Um, and what sound do you hate? <laughs> the sound of silence in an auditorium. No, I suppose it's a, it's a common one, but chalk on a blackboard. Uh, uh, yes. You know, that kind of squeegee. Yeah, goes right to it. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Horrific. Uh, or babies on planes. That was my choice when I answered this question. Babies on planes. Nothing against babies, but not if you're flying to Australia. Perhaps wait just for, the, for your own sake, but also for the sake of the other passengers. For 18 hours. No, horrific. No, completely agree with that one. And then this one, which we kind of... I, I briefed Peter on this one. If you could be doing any other profession, which is difficult because you've created all your own work... If you weren't able to, for some reason, it was taken away, and you had to choose something else that you perhaps couldn't create yourself. Well, I, I did think about this after you, because you got pre-warned with this question yeah. was coming, uh, and so I did think about it. And actually, thinking back to when I was a kid, a pilot, because my father worked at British Airways, uh, and so I had a, an interest in planes from a very early age. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess if if my life had gone a different direction, then. Being an, being an airline pilot would have been great fun, wouldn't it? Okay. My goodness. Airline pilot, yes, I'm, I'm quite a... No, I couldn't... No, vets, one thing, but flying hundreds of people across an ocean. No. But, yeah. but then this is why you do what you do, because you just jump I in and... Fly a theatre. Fly, you fly shows <laughs> around the world. <laughs> um, and then, uh, finally, sir and then you can have your bit, is um, just to give everybody all the details of where they can buy tickets for Chinese Whispers. Uh, they can buy them online at greenwichtheatre.org.uk. Uh, there is a telephone number somewhere. And um, <laughs> the box office at uh, Greenwich Theatre, which is at Crooms Hill, yes. uh, which you will find uh, very much in the centre of things in Greenwich, uh, but it's on... Well, Crimson is just at the end of, of Stockwell Street, isn't it? Yeah? Yes. Stockwell Street, which is yes. near, near the, new, the very new and shiny university building, which is the University Library yeah. uh, at Greenwich, yeah. in nearest tube station, Cutty Sark, get on the riverboat. And there's a gate hub slap bang in the middle of yes, the theatre. Right, well, not right in the middle of the theatre. Well, not not right in the... But in the that's an awful lot of blocking around that, <laughs> isn't it? Um, wouldn't be the first time. Wouldn't be, yeah, no, it's uh, the, yeah, the Rosen Crown, which was built in 1802 or something, would it? Yes. Uh, is the cornerstone of the, of the Greenwich Theatre. Yeah. It probably goes underneath the auditorium slightly. Yeah, part of the old music hall days, I believe. Well, you know that the Greenwich Theatre used to be called the Rosen Crown Theatre when it was first built. No, I did not know that. So the Rosen oh. Crown Pub, uh, and the Rosen Crown Pub used to have. Um, uh, archways into the uh, the foyer and they used to ring the interval bell in the pub which they still kind of do so well I've, I have been encouraging the two two enterprises to work very closely together on this production so that they, 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 they you can oh kind of the will be frozen crown the factotum actually, yes uh, factotum will, will be will be running into the rose and crown at the interval and say you'll you, come back now so uh, that's all going to go on Oh my goodness, yeah, that's brilliant. Games on this show. There's, there's, there's a very uh, lovely actor, so if you come and, well, anyway, you can interact with one of the members of the cast before the show's even done. Incredible. Um, and broadwaybaby.com. Mm-hmm. Broadwaybaby.com. And uh, anywhere else people can find you on social media. Uh, well, the, the, the one other project we hadn't even discussed uh, is vflyer.com or v-flyer.com. Uh, okay. Which. Uh, 
my love of aircraft and stuff and love of flying. It was a passenger kind of created massive, bigger than BorderoBaby.com in fact, in terms of visitors. Uh, but if you ever fly on Virgin Atlantic or Virgin America or ah. any of the Virgin holiday companies or the Virgin branded kind of travel yes. enterprises, there are, uh, that's been going since 2001, 2002, something like that. Um, and it's a massive resource of hundreds of thousands of, of tips and uh, knowledge about kind of earning better miles or the best route to take or the best way to spend your money or the, you know, the passengers talking to passengers about a peer-created community of uh, flyers. And so that will work whether you're coming from the US back this way or... Exactly, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Fabulous, my goodness. See, the, 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 it's never just the two things. There's always... Wow. So, always got something else to do with <laughs> Um Mr. Peter Shaw, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having um, me. And you're very welcome. And now we're going to enjoy a beverage and talk about stuff that you don't need to know. <laughs> thank you. Say bye, Peter. Bye.